Hello and welcome to episode 126 of First Geek 411. I'm your host this week, Chris Nicolay, and joining me from Texas, Cameron Franklin. Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Come here often? I do, about once a week. Nice. That's what I like to hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But... Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week um, as we will be discussing some or the recent announcements of or being able to see next-gen gameplay. Um, Steve Carell is making his return to television or TV. I'm not... Is it a streaming? Like, is it actually going to be on cable network? Or? I don't know. Though it's, I'm pretty sure it won't be because it's Netflix, but it's a sitcom and right. Steve Carell's in it, and I could not be more excited. Exactly. And we'll also be talking, which we've received plenty of responses from you guys, so we're excited to discuss this, our top three perfect castings. But before we do any of that, be sure you join us wherever you listen, or be, for, be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you have been listening to us, except for one piece that we're going to be discussing later on in this episode, which may be down at the time. Um, you can also be sure to follow us on our social media. We are One Geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation community. You can email us directly at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com, and you can always check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com. Nailed it. Got there. We got there. <laughs> got through it. That's what counts. <laughs> um, before we get into the meat and substance of our episode, though, Cameron, what have you been up to? First off, I really want to say thank you for saying meat and substance, not meat and potatoes. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm. For me, it'd be meat and rice, so. Yeah. Potatoes are the worst. Potatoes so. aren't always the worst. They're very versatile. And <laughs> you can boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Exactly. Um, but definitely not my favorite. Yeah. But I'll eat them. Yeah. Now that I've derailed us. Right. Um, this past week, um, I continued my playthrough of Fire Emblem Three Houses, or, or my second playthrough. And I got to tell you, Chris, I've made a big mistake. So I'm What'd playing on normal difficulty. Because I did not realize how OP you were in New Game Plus. <laughs> so I'm in chapter six, which is I like I, this isn't really a spoiler, which is roughly like between a quarter and a third of the way through the game, depending on which route you pick. And I already have unlocked advanced classes by hitting level 20. Yeah. So like my healers are having trouble because my characters don't take damage. And Makes like, sense. because I'm doing blue lions and I have the, um, gray ashen wolves, ashen wolves ashen in the wolves. DLC. Yep. I have so many like horse and like flying characters <laughs> that I'm just zipping everywhere all over the map and just like no one takes damage. And it's just like, what, what am I doing? And like the characters that, because about half of my team is on horseback. The half that isn't just doesn't do anything. Like they're just not fast enough to keep up. And it's just <laughs> like, well, do I like let them get experience or what do I do now? I mean, they're going to be strong enough. Let them get experience. 
Yeah. And I so mean, I've started like really trying to cycle because even though there's a lot of people in the Black Eagles that I would want to be using again because I like those characters a lot. I'm trying to keep my primary team to the Blue Lions and the Ashen Wolves. I mean, that makes sense. Like, especially when you're leveling, because those are characters that you don't like. The characters from the other teams, you can't just go in and up your relationship level. So it's not as worth using them. I mean, because they're, they're going to be OP anyway. So right. sticking to characters that you actually have to grind to level up and and everything yeah yeah do and that. i want to get i want to get more story i want to get the new supports and so that's kind of why i'm i'm keeping that up um because i do want to get that new content there's a, we'll talk about it more another time but there's definitely characters that i've found i really really like in the blue lions that i wasn't anticipating um specifically to do who's kind of like the number two in the house so like he basically is like the strong silent type and so he's just like a blank canvas if you play a different house, but playing blue lions, he's actually really cool. And I really like his backstory and where he comes from. But That's probably one of my favorite things about that game is that you have characters like that, that you're like, huh. And then you get to play with them and you act with that relationship, relational aspect of the, in the building in the game, you get to get to know them. And you're like, Oh, even a character like that has yeah. strong points. I like it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the second playthrough. I, like I said, I just definitely should have done it on hard, not normal. Save but, it for yeah, your no. next new game plus. Yeah, that's what I'll do when I do Golden um, Golden Deer. So, um, But other than Fire Emblem Three Houses, we had a um, game night with my D&D group and we played some more Jackbox Party Packs. And so we busted out Party Pack 6, um, which is the one that Deanna and I have, which is the one that we demoed at PAX. And then one of the other groups, they had Party Pack 2. So we got that and played some of the older games um, from the more classic Jackbox. And so that was always fun because Jackbox is great. Um, and then should have mentioned this last week, but I didn't realize it would be out um, as quickly. Uh, but I collaborated um, with some Love Thy Nerd writers on 12 bingeable shows that restore our faith in humanity. And so I talked about two shows. Um, one that's very near and dear to my heart and then another that's a bit newer and you'll have to go read the article to find out what they were nice or if it comes up in this show he'll probably mention it yeah hypothetically hypothetically interesting like that's what i've been up to (laughs) (laughs) nice it sounds like a good busy week collaborating is always great fun um as for me um i played (laughs) Like Persona 5 is becoming like this slow roll because I have not had much time to actually play. So I played through another week of Persona 5. Oh, man. Which is either like 20 hours or one hour. Right. Like it's an hour in this case. Um, But, you know, I'm liking it. I've also jumped into this deep dive. I'm wondering if I should continue this or if I should go out and buy Persona 5 Royale. Royale. Mm, I'm struggling with that, too, because I want to do a platinum run. And it's going to be one more playthrough, either on Persona 5 or on Royal. Like, or like, do, or just you just get content? two Platinums. You Platinum Persona 5, and then you Platinum Persona 5 Royal. Listen, I don't know if I can justify like 200 hours. I know, right? Because like... it's a long game. Um, you know, eventually I probably will get five because I've heard such good things about the new additions in P- or Royal. 
because I've heard good things about the additions and the new characters that they've incorporated and things like that. And also you have more time to do stuff apparently, which mm-hmm. I'm a big, it has a whole nother semester. Yeah. Big plus with four, but granted new game plus, it's not really as important. Um, this last weekend I spent more time doing some building, um, ended up building my mom, her final raised garden bed, as well as a enclosure for her grapes. Since she grows, my mom grows grapes. My mom nice. grows everything. And um, and so I built her this enclosure because she's trying to keep him from last year. The grapes like grew up and latched onto her apple trees and like hmm. choked out the fence and is a pain to clean up. So we built this new enclosure so she could kind of train him to grow in other directions and have the dedicated space for it. So that's what I built. That's what I did this weekend. Um. And other news, which we'll talk about as well as later, because it is in our news. I've Avatar The Last Airbender returned to Netflix, and I have transitioned to putting that in the background during work. Very nice. wonderful. Proud although, of you. Although the four by three aspect ratio is hard sometimes. It's a rough life. Um, I also bought a new phone and immediately returned it. Um. So last week I bought the Nokia 7.1, which was released in 2018, um, but became like due to software updates and certain things, it was compatible with the Verizon network like last June, but apparently that compatibility ended January 1st. Wow. So I'm like, okay. I was so excited. The phone looked great. I was actually really excited for this mid-range phone to have, and it was pretty cost-effective. But then it wasn't showing that I had any network connectivity, anything like that. And I was like, got to return that, unfortunately. Well, yeah, after further research in like half an hour talking to Verizon, being like, well, why is it saying it's compatible on your website? Sorry, that's my rant for the week. But that has <laughs> been what we've been doing um, since we last spoke. Um, which brings us into our new segment, starting off with our video games, which we've had some cool things happen. Nothing like crazy is going on right now, but we do have uh, some really cool news pieces that have come out over the past week. Um, one we talked about last week uh, as it was coming up was State of PlayStation State of Play, focusing on Ghost of Tsushima. And I am so excited for this game. This game now. looks really cool. It is just pretty. It's big open world. Um, the There's like variety to the gameplay. So you're either going to play during the day, you're, you know, traditional samurai, Bushido, honor, um, honor and combat, you know, aspects. At night, you're essentially a shinobi, you know, do whatever you got to um, as you lurk in the shadows. And there's just a lot happening in this Um and I'm really excited. You have the ability to like do a, it's basically like a challenge where you can like challenge another samurai that you come across to like a fight to the death. And it's that like very like samurai movie, like they pull the swords out so fast, no one can see what happens. And then like, it's really cool looking. Um, I really like a lot of what they're doing with their world building. So like, instead of, having waypoints there you can press a thing and then like a gust of wind will come in and like point you in the direction of your like objective yeah and then like 
they're doing a lot of other cool like environmental storytelling they're trying to like convince you to go to places like one that they showed in the state of play where foxes that will yes. lead you to shrines. I'm so excited to follow foxes. I'm going to follow all the foxes. Right. When that came up in the state of play, I was like, oh, please don't kill the fox. Sucker punch. Like, don't do that. And then they didn't. And I was like, okay, good. Like, like I mean, oh, I would expect like, them to have like done that much research because they're sucker punch. But like... <laughs> It's like that was just like such a cool thing to see them taking that that care um and doing that type of storytelling. And not only that, like they like the not necessarily combat, but like the equipment mm-hmm. um is very purposeful. So like granted there is gonna be customization aspects, but the equipment you're wearing um should be optimized for the play you or the weapon style or the fighting combat style you're pursuing. Um and adaptable for those different things so and wow so instead of just building for a specific look um Mm -hmm. you actually have to think about well how am i playing what type of combat am i expecting to be in moving forward um and just like that 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 kind of depth and thought going into a game like this and especially trying to make it i mean it doesn't need to be 100 percent historically accurate but making it more that way like what type of armor would people be wearing if they were wielding these weapons or et cetera. And I just love that depth of, of insight and attention to detail that they are including in this. And this is coming out in two months, this July Mm -hmm. and just stoked. It looks so phenomenal and I'm happy they did this just dedicated 18 minutes of just ghost of Shushima play. And, and Yeah. Moving on to next gen, we got to see a Unreal Engine 5 demo that was supposed to be playable at, um, not Gen Con, that's the board game thing, um, the developers conference. Um, why can't I think of what this is called? Game developers conference, GDC? GDC, thank you. <laughs> Literally, what you the developers conference? The, just put game in front of it. Yeah, put the game. <laughs> Those people, the game yes. developers ones. <laughs> that was it. Was um, supposed to be playable on PlayStation Five at GDC, and so that means, like, I mean, COVID's affected a bunch of stuff. It comes up every week, but that means that we would have had the Mark Cerny talk kind of into the the specs of what the PlayStation Five was then people would have seen this demo and then they would have literally been able to go hands-on with PlayStation 5. And like, this demo is beautiful. According to Epic, it is, air quotes, just a demo with, air quotes, no intention of becoming a full game. But I will buy that game day one when it comes out. Right. Like, this, this, the technology that even like them being able to use the un- utilize the unreal engine to provide this level of detail which we've had on pcs and like even in games but that this is being played on a home console at this level of detail and everything is just phenomenal um and makes me so stoked and a lot of this is um, ultimately credited due to uh, PlayStation's proprietary um, SSD because it's pretty much constantly caching so much information and the the processing can just grab that information and display it 
and it's just mm-hmm. a phenomenal format and i'm excited to see what other developers are going to do with this technology and see what games come to the playstation 5 which we don't have enough of anymore because right. playstation is just kind of keeping their lips sealed they're just sitting back and being like xbox is just throwing up hey here's the box here's this here's whatever and playstation's like we explained the tech <laughs> we'll have more later like we don't have a price we don't know what the box looks like we don't know really anything um and then i think all that makes the fact that this demo was supposed to be playable that much more interesting right because that does that mean that they would have had like the boxes like shrouded in mystery at gen con i think like, so like I think that would have been so much like theatrics i think we would have had like pieces like they would have been actually like announcing it but with like corona they're just like well i guess we'll have to wait and see which is annoying but at the same time i mean it's a great marketing move because they're making like microsoft is saying they're playing their hand in a sense and they're just building hype and with like releases like this everything they everything they've said they're still like hey production's on par it'll be released like there's they're very adamant about holiday 2020 boom that's like like that's all you need to know (laughs) right Speaking of holiday 2020, Sony CEO Kenichiro. Kenichiro? Yep. Kenichiro? Kenichiro? I don't know. Yoshida um, has said that the company will be announcing a very strong lineup of PlayStation 5 games soon. Okay. Cool. Like, I, I felt that this had to be in the news, but at the same time, it's so much of like check in later for the announcement this is an announcement for an announcement please be excited for e3 like which isn't happening but which isn't happening but i mean like we are excited don't get us wrong so they're they're just like trying to remain relevant with these little tidbits hey yeah you can quote me saying this also apparently i think i'm pretty sure it's the ceo of sony um didn't realize that final fantasy 7 remake was in the works you know, <laughs> which is just kind of a very awkward place to be in, especially with such a large title um, from another major Japanese produ- uh, developer it just cracks me up. But yeah, we are just waiting and waiting and waiting. But alas, we, we do have plenty of things to fill our time coming up. As we mentioned, Ghost of Tsushima, July I'm the last sure. of us part two last of us part two all of this both of these games are going to be pretty massive ghost of Tsushima is an open world game so you know you can put in easily 80 hours into that hopefully and who knows what dlc will come if if you know mm-hmm. if that's in the works or anything like that um but with that that brings us into movies and entertainment um as we have already mentioned um avatar the last airbender is back on netflix so much hype. It would be such a good bingeable show that could restore your faith in humanity. Just hypothetically. Hypothetically. Oh, that's another thing I did this week. <laughs> I forgot to mention. I uh season 5 of She-Ra is oh, out nice. on I Netflix. I saw people tweeting about that. And um I mean, you know, in our community there's going to be aspects of that show that are pretty controversial, but you know, I think they did such 
the storytelling in that, especially in this last season, has been phenomenal. And it brings us into a very nice conclusion for the series. Um, and in the right mindset can also restore your, your faith in humanity. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're good. So with the last airbender getting back up um, in easy view of people, Apparently, there's been a lot of conversations around Twitter uh, in terms of Last Airbender versus Legend of Korra and stuff like that. Um, this is something that I have a lot of opinions on and could talk about extensively and probably have on this podcast before. Um, it's definitely one of those things to me that they're different types of shows. Um, and I think it's one of those things that even though they're the same franchise, it is hard to compare them. I would agree. Like, the storytelling in both is very unique i mean they're set in separate like i guess generational eras too i mean yeah. you have one that's this steampunk-esque culture and development and this industrialized piece and you have this more like feudal era warring states in mm -hmm. the other and i don't know i i love them both they right. should both be watched Right. I love them both for, for different reasons. Right. And I think Legend of Korra is also a big example of like the studio doing the show dirty. Like, cause Avatar was written as a three series or three book arc where Legend of Korra was written as a one book arc. Then a second book was added and then two more books were added. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot, so that made it so the story isn't as cohesive. And I kind of enjoy that because it's, it's that different genre aspect, but other people don't. They wanted more of that same formula as Last Airbender. And so. And that it's also like one of those things that you're trying to do balance, like going into Korra, you know, people, you know, fans of The Last Airbender are coming in and looking at that and wanting just more of the same thing. And as a make, as a writer, as a producer, you're trying to balance that, trying to provide for your your fan base while at the same time staying true to the story you're trying to present. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they should have just tried to tell their own story. Like it, Cora deserves her own story. It is right. the advancement. Now you can go back and I'd love, we, we do want more Aang. We want some adult right. Aang. We want some more of those stories too. Yep. I've, but, I've said before that, I think it was when they announced the most recent comic. It's I would love them to do a comic series about adult Aang and like that adult team avatar, like mm -hmm. have it be about Republic city. And so you can use that same like design, but have it be about it from, from their mindset as you now have that, that team avatar in their twenties and thirties dealing with, we literally saved the world, but now we still like, have to deal with all this stuff right how do we how are we progressing this because we have this vision how do you instill that and also like just from Korra, it did leave like open up a lot of questions about that period due to the recurring characters due to uh toph and toph's children and and everything mm -hmm. like like something has happened like these parents have been involved in their lives too and there's still characters that are alive today that we want to see more of their story or in Korra that we want to see their stories as well. Um, but yeah, wonderful series. I'd even like what I would really like is even just like a mini series, like shorts mm -hmm. of telling different avatars stories, like 
right. just really quick. And I'd love something like that too. And I think there's enough support for it that if with the right studio and backing that you can do like, I mean, we have so many streaming services anymore. Right. That if you contract with the right one, you can tell these small little stories in a different format than you would trying to produce it for TV. And I think hopefully we'll, the, the live action show that's being put on Netflix will see success and that will lead to studios, whether Netflix or someone else, green lighting, something like that. Um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast, I don't remember, but when we were doing our watch through of the Blu-rays for Last Airbender, they have M. Night Shyamalan on. And so like these interviews are like recorded between like when the movie was being filmed, but hadn't been released Wait, yet. What Re- movie? Exactly. Remember, there is no war in Bossing Say. And like, it's so cringy to hear him talk about it and like talk about what they're trying to do with the movie. And then like you see this hypothetical high school production and it's just like, what did you do to the show I loved? Why? What is this? What is oh, what? Exactly. <laughs> but let, let's move on to our next thing because I'm sure we can keep chatting about Avatar for a very long time. We we can. Maybe we'll do a special um, at some time, some point. A, I don't yeah. know. Such a good series. Um, in other news, um, we got a trailer for the new branch of our military. Just kidding. I'm so hyped. <laughs> Space Force is coming to Netflix right. and it's starring Steve Carell. I'm shocked at how quickly this got put to put together, relatively speaking. Like it's been what, like, I mean, two years, three years, and they already have a sitcom rolling out. So so excited. I mean, this is something though that's like, probably like there's probably previous things that have been written like jokingly or is like just ideas regarding something like this in the future. Like, and then they're just like, well, what if we just wrote it from today? Because, you know, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> words. It's, oh, it looks so good. This list and... looks so entertaining. And I'm pretty excited for this series and it's Netflix. Right. We'll put the trailer in the show notes. Um, I we, I tweeted it from our social media as well, so people can can view it there. But it'll it'll be in the show notes for people that haven't seen it yet. I believe it's coming May 29th to Netflix, so not too long. Really? I think that's what it was. Ooh, I guess maybe I didn't see that piece. Um, Let me open the trailer to confirm. May 29th. Yep, May 29th. Yep. Dang. Okay, so next week binge it next weekend (laughs) not this weekend next weekend um and other news though um going on uh so kind of covid19 relief lots of people are doing uh cool things lots of well-known um actors actresses people in the industry i mean we've seen community do a table reading parks and rec did a little mini episode um and now we are getting andy circus doing a 12-hour reading of The Hobbit. Is this going to be live? That, I believe so. I Because that's a lot. Like, no matter what you're reading, like, 12 hours is a long time. Right. I mean, I guess it'll obviously be in installments because, like, he'll have to eat and use the bathroom and that kind of stuff. Will but, he, though? Like, <laughs> will he, though? 
I mean, have you seen Gollum? He didn't look like he had to eat and use the bathroom, or he just did it right there. <laughs> I mean, he got those fish. That's true. And, so, and the rabbits. Um, yeah, this is really exciting. So this is actually, I guess this has actually happened. Um, it was called the Hobbitathon. Um, for those that don't know the name Andy Circus, he's actually responsible for the movement acting as well as voice acting of Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. Um, and yeah, he did a live on YouTube benefit um, for UK, charity, UK charities providing COVID-19 relief. He started at 5 a.m. today Which was as, re- as of recording. May 8th. May yeah. 8th. Okay, so this, yeah, this is a while ago. I'm sorry. I'm behind the times, but I'm sure you can go watch a recap or like, you know, whichever. Um, ultimately raising about $253,000 um, during this piece. And it's just kind of an awesome story. Um, and we may hear more about Andy Circus later in the show. What? What? Um, but yeah, just cool, cool things that are just happening regarding while we are in this lockdown, which we're not really as much anymore, but we are moving kind of getting back things gradually. Um, but just cool seeing awesome people, uh, do awesome things in while just from their home Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a format that we're not used to seeing them in, which is really cool. Um, in other news, um, CBS has announced a new Star Trek series. Hmm. Um, That's pretty cool. Again, and yet another new Star Trek series. Um, the uh, s- new series will be called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and it's going to follow the USS Enterprise um, decade uh, taking place decades before the original series did. Um, it will obviously it's going to star this the cast of of uh, the Discovery Enterprise characters um, as we follow them into this kind of new period that we're going to get some additional insight to. It'll definitely be very interesting. Um, And yeah, we haven't really seen, like we saw, we got to see more of the Discovery and we've had so many cool kind of pieces coming together. Um, We have Star Trek Discovery. We have Star Trek Picard. Um, now we're getting Strange New Worlds. There's been some really cool spinoffs coming um, out of CBS regarding uh, Star Trek. And so hopefully they do this, the the cast justice and do the storytelling justice. Um, we'll see if they break from the original format um, and the flavor of the week kind of format of the original series or and just focus on storytelling like they have with Discovery. Or maybe they'll do the return to that kind of original beloved star trek um week by week storytelling as well yeah i'm pretty excited for that to see how that goes um and it will be available on cbs all access um other streaming news disney plus is getting a percy jackson series so i know the girls talked about this on faith trust and pixie dust I don't have a huge reference point for Percy Jackson. I saw one of the movies. I want to say it was the second one, which is apparently the worst one. And we went and saw it at the drive-in with like the singles group at church before I moved to Connecticut. And like, so that's kind of my reference point, 
Deanna has some of the books on audiobook, and so we've listened to some of them as like we were driving or whatever for like long trips, but it's been a while since we've done that. But right. this seems really cool. Like I know like just from hearing her talk and some other people in this fandom, it seems like one of those franchises that has a bunch of really cool ideas that the movies just didn't do justice to or weren't able to. Right. You know, uh it the format for a series is just so different than a two-hour movie you know um especially when you do have a lot of ideas and things that you're trying to portray um and you aren't ultimately going to get the funds to do something like harry potter did and dedicate a movie to each book um or anything along those lines um what i like about this is just again more content and development for disney plus which it desperately needs um like I do not open Disney plus nearly as often as I would like to, since I do have a subscription to it and there's a lot of exciting things coming to it. It's just, they're not here yet. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with this, and they're just like deep diving into certain IPs, pulling back for like, what was a IP that had a lot of potential that we didn't do quite right, that we can do in this format that maybe we couldn't do before. Speaking of things on Disney Plus, I forgot to mention this earlier. We've been watching, I think it's called Disney Gallery, which is a documentary style show um, looking at the different shows apparently that will be streamed on Disney Plus. And so the first series is looking at The Mandalorian. And so they do a episode, as of the last time we watched, there were only three episodes out. And I think the first one was on like the overall lore the second one was on the directors. Then the third one was on like the main cast. Ooh. And I said, I think it's Disney gallery. Um, yes. Disney gallery, star Wars, the Mandalorian. It's really cool. If you enjoyed the Mandalorian, it's very cool to, to kind of hear the stories of how that team came together to make that show. Isn't that pretty like in terms of not necessarily like the cast isn't less it's like star studded necessarily, but the producers, directors, and like the people in the background that are going to be running on the credits. That is a star-studded group of people. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, Mandalorian. I'm so excited for more of you this fall. Yeah, October. Yeah, sorry, I just I meant forgot that when we were getting started earlier. That's right. I had one in video games. You had one just now. <laughs> so we are good. Or wait, was mine in video games? No, mine was in movies and entertainment too. She-Ra. That's right. Okay. Um, and our last little piece of news is Netflix or the makers of the Netflix series, um, that the live action production of, of Cowboy Bebop um, came out uh, today, or at least in an article, Um came out today uh, addressing concerns about the potential whitewashing of the series. Um, obviously, we've got been getting some casting decisions and things like that, which raise a lot of decision uh, concerns due to, you know, ethnic backgrounds of some of the casting decisions. And this has been a th- very big thing in terms of anime adaptations into live action series for right. Netflix. There's been a lot of just so, I mean, it is reason for concern, um, uh, but Otis did mention that they have gone out of their way because of, of the anime movies that have come out 
and been accused of whitewashing. They have really gone out of their way to have the original um, composer, Yoko Kano, doing music and making sure that um, the characters are sort of multi-ethnic <laughs> um, and that the cast is really great. Um, but we will... I'm, I'm excited for this. Cowboy Bebop is a phenomenal animated series from the 90s. Late 90s, it, early 2000s, I believe. It's one I need to go back and rewatch. Because I remember watching it and not really being into it at the time. But it's definitely like, it's definitely something that I think I would enjoy now. And so right. I need to go back. It is definitely one that is designed for older audiences. So back when it's on its original release, it's typically on Adult Swim for that late night um, anime fan, you know, after all the Dragon Ball Z stuff for our generation and we were supposed to go to bed. This was <laughs> um, for kind of the older people along with like shows like Big O and things like that. Um, obviously, so Cowboy Bebop has also been, you know, since it's still early in production, there's been massive delays due to COVID. There's delays even before co- the the risk of COVID and everything. Um, but, um, we will, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with this, especially in a live action platform. Um, you know, we have the major casting of John Cho, um, set to lead the series as Spike Spiegel, who we may also be talking about later. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so they're, they're, they're indicating they are really working hard to keep the multicultural spirit of the original series, since it is an advanced earth you know, you know, future peace where ultimately a lot of cultures blend and mix. Um, so we will see what they do with this. I'm excited. Um, kind of, I don't know. We'll see. It's delayed so far that we'll be talking about this later, much later. Um, but with that, that brings us to our next segment and our favorite named. So as I mentioned in our teaser questions, um, or actually just in our intro, where you can listen to us, um, it turns out that Google has suspended um, a very popular Android podcast app called Podcast Addict, which we've talked about before. Yeah, um, it should be really inconvenient if one of the hosts of this podcast used that as their primary listening what? device. <laughs> um, but so what has ultimately happened is... And this is pretty controversial, and I kind of agree that I mean I I'm not sure how I feel about this, um, but Podcast Addict was cataloging COVID nineteen content, um, kind of as a catering service for people that use their platform. Um, Pad- Podcast Addict has now been on the uh, PlayStation Store for about nine years. It's nine years old, so it's been running up and running for a long time. And Google Play Store. What I say. PlayStation Store. Google Play Store. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, I'm like, wait, what? Um, But ultimately, Google has cited, due to uh, trying to crack down on misinformation being released, um, that app developers ultimately, um, when they are referencing COVID-19, that the things they are referencing have to be published, commissioned, and authorized by official government entities or public health organizations, which... When you're a podcast, you probably don't necessarily have. You're probably just discussing pieces, um, and you know it's it, it's a stretch, in my opinion, and also kind of a piece of censorship, especially since you are taking down entire 
platform for listening to podcasts. Um, while I can see the reasoning, and I mean, for the new guidelines set up for trying to stem misinformation from going out, especially in terms of relating things to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, it it's just, it's interesting. And I'm not, how do you feel about this, Cameron? How, have you noticed any actual interruption in your service? So this, and I, I just, I'd listened to some podcasts earlier and then I just refreshed to make, see, make sure everything was still in the up and up. Everything seems to be fine. I don't know for sure, but I think I remember reading that this was something that affected if you had the paid version of the app, but not the free version. I think but it I actually, could be wrong. I think it affects the free version more. Yeah, I, I said I could completely could have been wrong. So I remember like passing by, um, looking at it, like, I guess during lunch or something. And then I was like, wait, I'm listening to a podcast. Mine works. Oh, well. Right. And I just didn't stop to look at it. Looking at this, ultimately, really the only thing that Google can do is suspend like the monetary system for Podcast Addict. So because when you pay for it, you are removing ads already, I don't think it affects the paid version as much because ultimately you shouldn't be seeing, I guess, so ultimately what Google has suspended is they have suspended and removed ads from the app. Mm. Um, So they are no longer supported by the Google ad algorithms and information currently. Um, they are working on getting, you know, their support back, but yeah, if you are on the free version, it might be actually a plus for you at this time because you might not be seeing ads or listening to ads for podcasts as if you're on a free version or the paid version. Gotta do what you gotta do. But yeah, but that does affect the developers and the support that the developers have for, in terms of maintaining the actual infrastructure for the app. So it is a... It is a piece to consider, especially if you use it. Um, maybe consider buying the app now at this point to just further support them um, if you've been using the free version. Then again, I don't know if that's all accurate. I don't know if that's actually what's going on here, but just an interesting piece. In other tech news, kind of actually a very promising device. Um, Walmart has recently announced from their on, which if you don't know who, what on is on is Walmart's brand of like budget devices, um, and even accessories. Um, but Walmart has announced, uh, two tablets, a eight inch and 10.1 inch model, um, with their on devices that actually are going to become, uh, Android 10 and USB-C chargeable. Wow. That's good. For price points of 99 and $129. So, I mean, this is actually, these are look for budget device. Mm -hmm. These look pretty phenomenal. Um, Granted, you're not going to get the slim bezels or anything like that um, from these devices, but they are going to come equipped with 32 gigabytes of storage. You know, nothing crazy spec wise, just because at that price point, you're not going to be doing a ton of crazy specs. They're not flagships, Um, but it's just good to see like good, android tablets because we don't have a lot of them in general outside of what samsung kind of makes um a few other manufacturers here and there but kind of when it comes to the tablet market kind of apple has been where it has been killing it um this is ultimately likely a response to kind of compete with um amazon's fire devices um just great Mm -hmm. price point the 
comes I get meant 32 gigabytes of storage, two gigs gigs of RAM, and a two gigahertz octa core processors with five megapixel cameras in front and back of the device. The 10.1 inch will come with a 1080p display, um, an additional gig of RAM at three. Um, they both have headphone jacks, um, but their processor storage and cameras will remain the same between the two devices. For just the cost effectiveness of, cost effectiveness of these devices, automatically coming out with Android 10, um, it's just cool to see from such a budget-friendly device. $100 for an 8-inch tablet or $130 for a 10 um, is really well-priced. It's something you can probably buy one for each of the family. Um, we'll wait till these are actually released to see additional reviews before fully commenting on this, but um, they are also supporting uh, reporting supporting up to 10 hours of battery life, which is also pretty phenomenal for a tablet. Um but yeah, so that has been Dongle News, which brings us into the tangibles. The big thing that we have for this week, I guess there's two things. Ikoria and Commander 2020 are finally out in paper. Um, oh. And so that's a thing. You it can is. now go buy them. Um, or we have did bought our, them. Yeah, or have bought them. <laughs> we did our coverage of them a while ago um, in our episodes with Ryan from City on a Hill Gaming. So we don't need to talk about them too much more here. But just wanted to hit on that real quick. And then in the board game segment, the Spiel des Jahres has announced their nominees for the 2020 awards. And so for people that don't know, Spiel des Jahres is probably one of the most prestigious board game awards. It comes out of Germany. Um, And the three nominees for the main award um, are My City, which is a legacy style board game where you're building a city. Um, Nova Luna, which is a tile laying lane game. Um, and then Pictures, which is a party game um, where you try to copy a picture using blocks, sticks, stones, icons, cubes, and ropes. And so those are the three nominees for the main Spiel des Jahres. Then there's some other awards like the Kindespiel and other stuff. But I would love to talk about this more, but I have actually played zero of these games. So I do not have an opinion, really. Yet. I have heard that my city and Nova Luna are both really good, but I mean, which is, you know, Makes why they would be nominated the... <laughs> for like the most prestigious board game award, but I have not played either of them. So I do not really have an opinion. Um, and I'd never heard of pictures, so I don't really know, Again, know anything about that. Party so. games like tabletop party games like this aren't necessarily a thing. Although this sounds like a really cool iteration um yeah of a of a fun party game um whereas you probably are more interested in my city and nova luna because they're probably more you know not just party game tabletop games (laughs) my city just from like what i've seen um looks right up my alley and like a game i would love um does it come with cool dice it it does not look like it, which is a big knock against it <laughs> because I do love um, Cameron loves his dice, some cool dice. So, but um, hopefully at some point soon I'll get an opportunity to play those games and I can have a a more informed opinion about those. But I wanted to to give a shout out to those three games since this is a a big honor if you are a board game developer. So, and 
that concludes our new segments this week, which means we are now moving into our top three perfect castings. Um, and we've actually received some responses from our listeners, or at least people who follow us on social media. Um, so just kind of going through the list of people that commented, um, Michael Tucker um, sent two. He said Mark Hamill's Joker, which is mm, so True. good. Good point. And then Steve Blum as Spike. From, from Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop, as we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, and which are both phenomenal, especially in terms of voice acting. Um, Mark Hamill's Joker is one that we've, that has been brought up in our podcast mm-hmm. before. Um, and Steve Blum actually, like the uh, voice act, the American voice acting in Cowboy Bebop um, is actually really good. And Steve Blum does a phenomenal job as Spike um, Spiegel for the uh, American or English voice acting um, for that series. And I'm happy he brought them up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, both great. Uh, in other responses, um, some other ones we've mentioned in the past. Uh, we got who? Oh, uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, uh, from Hope Play and Love responded with Ryan Reynolds as the Merc with a Mouth, which is true. Uh, I mean, Ryan Reynolds nailed Deadpool. Yeah, I mean that's basically him casting himself. So it's like, so true. like that would that like Deadpool is just so much his thing, and I replied. Um, that he's great both times because honestly him as Ryan Reynolds in X-Men Origins or him as Ryan Reynolds, him as Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine is probably one of the best parts of that movie. Well, at like, least before his transition. Yeah, yeah for that first like the 10 minutes. The history image yeah, <laughs> right. was phenomenal. And ultimately the what also made the most recent Deadpool so great is the references to his part as Deadpool in 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 the X-Men series. Mm-hmm. So good. Um who else? See, the Infinity Bros said Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine. Very iconic. I mean he's only done it for like half his life at this point. Right. And this is another one that like it's crazy to think too that Hugh Jackman was a no name when he was cast for that role. Like he'd done some stuff, but like, it's crazy to think that that was his big break was playing Wolverine. And now he just has basically embodied it because he'd played that character for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like it's so hard to imagine someone else playing Wolverine now. I mean, it's true. Like I couldn't imagine any other casting and which like also begs the question, is it perfect casting or is it just so long that it's iconic at this point? Yeah. I I, w- I would side on both ultimately because he has done a phenomenal job in that role in general. Um, while aspects of that series have been lackluster, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine has been kind of like the cornerstone of the series. Mm-hmm. See, Shanine Thompson said just the whole cast of The Office so good yeah i have i have a hard time like trying to pick like when it comes to like comedy sitcom series like the office or you know saying casting is perfect um 
just because there's been so many good sitcom comedic sitcoms, especially when it's that type of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get some imp- people good with improv that just fully embrace a character and go into that method aspect. Um, I think it's just hard to go wrong because it's just a ton of people having fun on set. It seems right. like, um, we'll talk about this a little bit more once we get into our lists, but I know for me, when I think of perfect castings, I, f- the first things that came to mind for me were groups that were really good. And then what is a character from that group that stood out? Or, or stands out as like, if this person would have been cast somewhere else, the show wouldn't have been the same. And so that that's kind of where my, my headspace was as I was thinking through my list. And so like, Shanine and I are on the same wavelength. Hint, hint, The Office might be showing up on my list. So, <laughs> um, Also, though, in responses, we uh, Gregory Oswald mentioned uh, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy in both the live action and voice acting. And... I can agree with that. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that he did such a good job that ultimately he performed in both pieces um, is pretty phenomenal. He's a good embodiment of that character. Yep. Um, and then Michael Baumeister um, said, along with several several others, um, Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange, from which is again amazing yes and harry potter's casting was phenomenal i mean uh just in general all pe- right. most aspects i mean mcgonagall i mean snape everyone mm-hmm. in that was so phenomenal even the casting of the children is watching them progress right. which is also pretty impressive as a whole right that, like for a show that of course it's about the main three but there is a large number of kids that are cast and they're all good actors. They all do really well throughout the whole series, which is great. Like that's not something you normally see. Especially because they had to grow with the role, mm-hmm. which, and I think that also like, which made the casting decision just so perfect as they, as we got to see them age. And not only that, like they age perfectly for the development of the character. Um mm-hmm. Some of these I don't get. Uh, I mean, the hopeful servant mentioned uh, Samuel L. Jackson as director Fury or mm-hmm. Nick Fury. And yes, I mean. Yeah. Anything Samuel L. Jackson does is pretty like right. pretty crazy. You put him into kind of this intense role where he can just kind of cuss occasionally. <laughs> You're going to be set. I mean, uh not necessarily perfect, but definitely for the tone of the Marvel series, Samuel L. Mm-hmm. Jackson was perfect just in, in this role for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If they would have done, which thankfully I didn't, but a DCEU style where it was a bit darker, it was aiming for that style. I definitely think Samuel L. Jackson would not have been the perfect Nick Fury, but because of the tone that they went for, like, to everything that you just said yeah he's like the perfect embodiment of what that character is right he offers some comedic relief just because he's samuel jackson but at the same time maintaining the tone of seriousness of the situation being mm-hmm. portrayed um great great casting on that um and then and- i think the last one is mike and stell and instead who's the stay-at-home gamer um he said or he, he just sent the a gif of friends. So I assume that he means the whole cast of friends. 
which again, like is a pretty good group. Friends is by no means one of my favorite sitcoms. It's one of those shows that like, I think I was just a little too young when it came out. And then just, there were other sitcoms I connected with. And so, but I, it's, again, it's one of those things that it's, it's hard to argue with how I, like, again, you mentioned this earlier, how iconic that cast is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree. And I, one thing about TV series though, is that it's hard to picture other casting because a lot of TV casting is early in actors careers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's typically their first big break at times, especially like with the friends cast, it probably, you know, it ultimately is for a lot of them. Um, We've seen a lot of them go on to other big roles and like do great things. Um, But like with TV, it's also hard to picture an alternate casting because it's something that runs for so runs longer, more episodes, um, just more time in front of that camera that you're watching. And I always have a hard time picturing any other casting for a TV series necessarily, especially since you're not going to get a major TV star or movie star into a TV series usually. But I guess so that has been the responses that we've received. Thank you guys so much for uh, providing us this extra little bit to talk about as well as having me making me rethink my list because I didn't want to double up. (laughs) Um, But Cameron, what is your first perfect casting? So like I said earlier, I kind of started about started at what are some groups that I think did really well. And so the first place I went sitcom wise was how I met your mother. But in the end, like there aren't really any people in that, that I would argue are like a perfect casting in the sense that they couldn't have been moved to a different role. Like, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris's performance as, as Barney is so good, but like at the same time, like I feel like you could switch around, um, Josh, Josh's Ted and Jason's Marshall like you could switch those actors and they probably could have like pulled off that character. The character would be a little different, but they could have pulled it off. Same with Allison's um, Lily and Kobe's Robin. Like, I feel like you could have swapped them out and they could still pull, pull off a really good performance. And so as much as I love how I met your mother for my end, it didn't qualify. And so then we got the tweet about the tire cast of the office and I got the thinking Cameron, You've been listening to the Office Rewatch podcast. And one of the things that they've talked about is that Rain Wilson originally in um auditioned for the part of Michael Scott. And he did not get it. Instead, he got the part of Dwight. And honestly, it I think that is the most perfect casting decision that could have been made for that character definitely like, that is on point not gonna lie for the office yeah that is just, just so good. and as much as like um john krasinski's jim or um like all of those other casting angela's angela um <laughs> phyllis's phyllis all that kind of stuff um jenna fisher's pam like as much as like those castings are so good i don't really think you could have moved rain wilson yeah rain wilson into another role like swapped him with somebody and had it been the same i just think he pulls off dwight so well right i can't even picture anyone else playing dwight much less like 
just him as an actor being in another role in the office, Mm -hmm. um, much less him not getting cast. Right. Like in terms of the office, I definitely agree with that. Like his Dwight is just, yeah, because it's such a unique character for one that like, you can't even think of like typecasting him into another character Mm -hmm. like that. Right. You know, um, but for me, so my first one, as I mentioned earlier, um, that we would be returning to him is Andy Serkis as Golem in Lord of the Rings. Um, it's definitely not the most beloved character, but man, he did the work that he had to put into him and also utilizing the technology to be able to bring the voice and mannerisms of Golem is just crazy to think about. And he did such a phenomenal job. Um, and I'm not sure anyone else could have done that. Um, uh, we could have, we, if he didn't go in so deep in with Golem, we might've ended up with like this more human aspect, mm-hmm. this, you know, which we wanted to bring in like this combatant piece and throughout the Lord of the Rings with Golem and his kind of two personalities wanting to do good, but kind of the selfishness and also, you know, very lack of social construction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just did a phenomenal job And watching. Like one of my favorite things is like watching behind the scenes and watching and like the scenes with Andy Serkis doing the work he had to do to do Golem is too good. Um, and I would be amiss to say that that is probably the best casting piece in Lord of the Rings in my opinion, um, because Golem is such a important character in that series and if he's not right it could have just made things cheesy and corny um which is not what we got when we got the live action lore of the ring series for sure that's what you just said that's a very hard character to do well and i, I think it is definitely a testament to, to andy circus and to the like the the movie as a whole that that character was done so perfect don't get me wrong. Lord of the Rings casting in general, phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. But like that was probably the hardest decision because other people like Aragorn and, you know, his acting, you know, it's like, okay, that guy fits the role. Perfect. You know, yeah. is easier to do. No one in the world exists like Gollum and having someone that can bring that to the big screen was just on point. So, mm-hmm. Cameron, what is your next perfect casting? One of the things I wanted to make sure that I did in this was get some voice, like voice acting in my list. And so my next one is a voice acting one, but I want to give a quick shout out before I do it to um, Yuri and Laura who play Peter Parker and Mary Jane in Marvel's Spider-Man. Like they do so well as that pair like together their, their, their chemistry, like what they bring to those characters is so good. It doesn't make my list as like one of my top three, but I did want to give it a shout out. But my animation pick is Chris Sabat as All Might from My Hero Academia. So Chris is the voice actor, most probably most popular for being the voice of Vegeta on Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, I guess. And just what he brings to the role of All Might is so good. 
Um, it's, it's that energy, that enthusiasm, like a cut, like I guess it was last year I got to go to a panel where they did the, a live reading or a live dubbing of some scenes and getting to see him actually act those parts. It's, it was so good. And I loved every minute of it. And I think that he is, like I said, that perfect person to bring that type of voice to all might. Hearing you say that makes me almost want to watch the dub, but unfortunately that's not anything I can fully <laughs> comment on because unfortunately <laughs> I've only ex- pretty much exclusively watched the subversion, and it's mostly just because, you know, the dub didn't come out till later. Um, yeah. It's one of those anime is one of those things. It's hard to go back and forth. You can't, it's hard to watch right. a start a series subbed and then transition to a dubbed. It's just, the voice acting is just so different between the Japanese voice acting to the American voice acting. But I have heard great things about the dubbed version of My Hero, especially. I love anything that makes things more accessible, especially when you bring good energy and make it great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I am I am not a person to be subs over dubs. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, mostly I watch subs because it's the only way to get it first. Um but yeah, I, I've heard great things. I've actually I've seen um, him in the cast at at PAX West last year. Um, they were on the or no, sorry, Emerald City Comic Con um, last year when I went. You know, they had a panel, kind of like a live action panel on the like middle of the floor kind of thing going on. Oh, that's um, sweet. Which was really cool. So like it was something that I was just walking by, stopped for 10, 15 minutes, and got to see them talk about their roles in the in the show, which was really fun. Um, but for my next one, um, I will say all of mine are, um, screen actors. Um, but, uh, one I wanted to kind of throw out to is Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, the Kill Bill series. Mm Um, honestly, I like mostly just because Kill Bill is kind of an out there series. It's kind of a cult classic maybe. Um, but it is, it's a good movie series um, that I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of. And I honestly just can't picture anyone else other than Uma Thurman playing the main character, playing a, which it's been so long since I watched, I can't even remember her name. Um, I have to look it up now because it's going to bother me. Because it's in, it was in my head, um, essentially. Uh, you know, she has many names. So, former assassin, uh, the bride, or of course, it's not directly there. Oh well. Either way, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill um, as the bride, or whatever her multiple names are, um, just phenomenal job great interaction with her with her castmates and everything and just can't picture anyone else my last one is a bit out of my normal fandoms but it's one that i really enjoyed when i was actively watching the show and that is melissa benoist as supergirl or cara danvers in the cw show or shows multiverse whatever um, I really liked this take on Supergirl and, and I'm not a huge DC fan. So like 
I know some like about that character's backstory from elsewhere, but not a ton. But I really liked this casting. I think that, again, she brings a really good energy to the character. And while I mean, I'm not going to say like Supergirl, Supergirl is like underappreciated because it's been going for like five years. And so like it clearly has an audience like Supergirl is definitely one of those those shows that I feel like kind of got the short stick when compared to Arrow and The Flash. But and even Legends of Tomorrow, but that I, I think Supergirl is probably my favorite out of those. Um, and if I was to go back and rewatch one, it would probably be Supergirl. But so one thing about that is I, I would agree. I think she does a great job. And especially as not as Supergirl, but really as the alter ego, you know, she mm-hmm. does a phenomenal job in a role as Kara. Um, and I think it's unoterated. I think the show, I think ultimately the CW did it a service. Um forcing like separating which i mean i guess it makes sense for the overall storytelling in in the cw verse um but i really wish they would have done more for the, to bring her incorporator strong more relatably into the overall cw verse mm-hmm. and they did a service by separating her into another universe from the rest of the arrowverse CW verse. I don't know what they call it anymore since yeah. the arrow is ending, but um, because the arrow, the flash, same world interact with each other, great crossovers. And then now we have to do this universe. This weird, like, to bring in, yeah. bring in Supergirl. Like, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's a bit rough. Um, and like, I think there is that there is a joy to being self-contained. But then at the same time, it, it then gets weird when so much of what's great about the Arrowverse is the crossovers mm-hmm. to now basically make it like what you said, like make it forced of like, well, how are we going to get her here? Right. And like they, they, I get that if it was just Supergirl and Arrow, I get that you might not want a super, like somebody as super powered as Supergirl in this world. But like you had Flash, like it really feels like they should have put them in the same the same version of that universe, right? Yeah, it's just it's just a weird piece to me because like yeah, now we have to take now when we want to do this big collaboration, the one one week long in piece in each series to bring the all these characters together, it just it makes the crossovers feel more out of place. And then they transition right back into the standard show. Mm-hmm. You know, just a gripe. But yes, I agree with with the casting of of her Benoist as as Cara Danvers. And she's brought a lot to that. Um, granted, so my last one's probably a little weaker than my other two. Um, but I think just the everything she did for this role. Um, and it's not like a major, you know, production to put this, like put a lot into this. Um, but my last one is Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta. Mm. Um, I mean, yep. actually shaving your head for that role and kind of like putting yourself through that trauma and being able to 
bring as much out of that character as possible, especially for, you know, it's not a big budget movie. It wasn't a box office, major box office movie, you know, title, but it, you know, it's grown into this amazing thing since it's so right. timely every year. Um, <laughs> since it's right. something that everyone wants to watch at least once a year, um, or at least we do. Um, and Natalie Portman just really nailed the part. It's hard to picture anyone else just because I've seen it so many times. Like I can think of like potential other castings that they could have done, but whether or not they would have put the effort and brought the, and gone as far as Natalie Portman did in that role is hard to picture. Right. I, I completely agree. And like, now we're in the, d- the day and age of the MCU where there's like really good superhero movies. But like when this, when V for Vendetta came out in 2005, that wasn't really the case. And like that movie could have been so cringy, but it, but like they, like the actors as a whole, and I mean, to your point, Natalie Portman does an amazing job at, at making those, those roles feel real. And like, it just, it, it elevates that movie, especially for the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just so timely still in now. And um, definitely one of the smaller budget movies that we can continually watch and has great cinematography. Um, ultimately, the casting in that sh- movie as a whole was great. I mean, Stephen Fry and all the other parts. You go weaving. Yeah. And just great movie, but definitely Natalie Portman just went above and beyond for that role. Um, when ultimately probably didn't really have to, but definitely elevated the movie to the point that it is the rewatchable masterpiece it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you didn't get a chance to let us know what your top three casting or your favorite castings are um, of all time, you can still let us know. Um, you can do so by visiting our social media. We are one geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation community. You can also be sure to email. You can email us directly uh, on our email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. You can also rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And as always, check out our show notes on our website, one geek 411 com where you'll also find our sister podcast as we mentioned as they've come up periodically throughout today's episode as well faith trust and pixie dust um and of course check out oh cameron i guess before we fully close what's our top three next week our top three for next week that that our listeners can hit us up with at the social media that you mentioned this comes from greg um, who's one of the people that also commented on our posts so shout out to Greg for getting super involved. Um, he left a comment on our Facebook post for our last episode with a top three idea. And so we're going to do that for next week. And that is our top three movies. We would like to do a mystery science theater 3000 style watching of, and then bonus points. He says, if you have not seen the movie already, so there will be points. They probably won't matter but they will be there. Okay. I'm Actually, really excited about this. Me too. Now I have to think of movies like I have like the only way I would probably watch it is if it was in this format. Right. 
I already have one. <laughs> so um, I am ready. I, I'm excited. So as well, as we mentioned before, you can either let us know what your perfect casting is or respond for next week to possibly have your response talked about on air or in our episode um, at everything I previously mentioned. But as well as you can follow our so- personal social media. I'm not so foreign. I'm Humar Whittle. Wash your hands. I love you. <laughs>